and it's like not even Outback era, just like way before. Okay, not even the Outback era, like <laughs> yes. okay, like the pink armor and cape is right there. I saw. Like, I mean, I think we all like, go if, back to back. like <laughs> if you want to go back to a template, let's go back to the template. Okay, <laughs> how do you think we got? Guys, we are back for another episode of Another Relaunch. I am Keenan. What's up, y'all? I am LZ. How are you doing this week, LZ? Child, I... (laughs) 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 It's been such a long week with, like, working and, and, uh, you know, the day job. I just... This is for the nerds. Then we have this conversation, and then we have this conversation. It is time for rich men. Rich men <laughs> to come pick us up <laughs> and just say you don't have to do anything else ever again, like ever again, and that's all we need. It's that time. Leave me alone and let me read my comic books. That'd okay. <laughs> all right. And speaking of comic books, we had a lot this week, so let's go ahead and actually get into that. Um, so we'll start off with the first up on our list is I'm actually not even going to do this. It's a Mortal Hulk number 45. Al Ewing, Joe Bennett, and who was doing the colors? Paul Mounts is doing the colors on this issue. We're 45 issues in. It's good. We're going to move on. <laughs> <laughs> um, next up, we have Noctera number two from oh. Scott Snyder. And this has art from Tony Daniels. Yeah, I, I, I get picked up the second issue. Tony Daniels on the art. And Tomo Mori is on the colors for this. Now, um, I've come to the realization that Tony Daniels art. <laughs> no, no, no. So it's like I've come to the realization that Tony Daniels art might not be for me. It's not like super to my taste. Um, I think it's fine. I think he does a good job with the story. The story itself is like kind of weird. I think if you remember from the last time I told you, basically there was some big ca- catastrophe that happened on Earth. It turned the sky completely black. Uh, there's this girl, Val, she's a truck driver. She helps get people through. People who are left in this darkness too long become mutated. So at the end of the first issue, this character named Blacktop Bill, he like is looking for the guy who Val is taking to this next location. He says he's the guy who blocked out the sun. This issue is kind of the next part of that. She's kind of confronting the guy saying, what's really going on? He's telling her this lie about how he was in the sanctuary and they were trying to do this thing to reach heaven and it backfired. And that's how the sun got blotted out and the sky became black. And she's like, I don't believe that. So back at the place where the truck drivers hang out, Blacktop Bill has like killed a bunch of people, set the rigs on fire. So some girl calls up Val and she's like, look, this man is coming after you. You need to get on the road. Blacktop Bill shows up and he says, all you got to do is give me the guy and I'll let you and your brother live. And so she starts kind of backing the truck up and she tells the guy, she's like, tell me the truth. And so the dude's like, okay, I was never at this sanctuary. Everything I've been telling you was a lie. He's like, if you want to know the truth, he's like, we're in hell. He's like, but I just want to try and make it to find a way to be livable. And she's like, that's the realest thing anybody's ever told me. And she drives off with the guy. Black Tar Bill is like, okay, I like you. And then the issue ends. It's um, it's weird. I feel like this mm. book kind of has everything that I enjoy. 
like there's action there's like mystery it's got like monsters in there. there's a little horror stuff like the villains very menacing we got our femme fatale lead you know we've got a little brother it's just not clicking though <laughs> okay <laughs> it's just not clicking um for me you personally think it's, art? I, think it's the art i think it is the art i think it is the art and again it's just like i've just might come to the realization that tony daniel's art is not to my taste um so I think if you're into that kind of stuff, go ahead. I actually recommend people go and pick it up. I think it's very well written. Again, it's just not clicking for me. I might still pick up the next issue just to see where it goes. Um, but I'm not completely sold on like sticking with it full time just yet. Okay. All right. Okay. Check it out, Sean. What did we get? What would you rate it? 3.5 out of five. Okay. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Most definitely. Um Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I <laughs> uh, so then next up on the list we have seven secrets number seven very excited oh that was a nice little pun seven secrets number seven um, yeah nice job with that <laughs> <laughs> um from tom taylor danielle Dinculo, and walter biamonte now i'm very excited to have this series back we're in issue seven i honestly don't remember what happened <laughs> the first six <laughs> issues it's been a little <laughs> it's been a little bit of a break since we had the last issue uh, i should have actually went back and read them but this one was still very fun they, i do remember that the secrets and the keepers are keeping the seven secrets of the world their base was destroyed so now they're kind of like on the run casper the main character he's like in this weird like kind of space sea type of universe and he's trying to swim to this kingdom there are these two like fairies that are following him and they basically try and make him live this relive this life that he apparently lived with them and but they're also about to make him walk off a cliff it was very dramatic it was very dramatic but like just as that happens yeah right (laughs) but just as that happens like his mom and um, another guy who's one of the other keepers like pop up and they're like hey they rescue him but apparently the life these fairies showed him about living on this island with them was real and so he kind of confronts his mom and he's like what haven't you told me like who am i what's been my life why don't i remember all these things why was it hidden from me and she's like that's a story for another day and so um we reunite with the rest of the seekers and keepers secret see yes holders and keepers excuse me who okay. um have the secrets and the issue ends it's good okay i feel like i feel like tom taylor does a really good job at like handling character voices character interaction making you feel the emotion like he is stellar with that i won't lie he feels a little safe like mm. even though things are going bad like you know everything's going to go like right like you yeah. know it's all gonna be fine then. Um, but it's still a really good story. The action is good. This was a little bit more like digging deeper into the mystery. I still highly recommend it though. It's only seven issues in, so everybody has plenty of time to get into it. Okay. Nice. Do you feel like it's it starting like a whole nother arc with this issue or Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Because <laughs> I'm like trying to think about as I had to like go back in my head and like think about what's happening in all the other issues as well. And I was like, no, no, no. Like there's still definitely a continuation. There's like an over like overtone of what the story arc story arc is. Um, but you can tell he's planting things to keep it going for a long time, hopefully. Good book. Okay. Check that mm-hmm. out, Sean. All right. And so oh, next up on the list is one I actually did not read. Um, okay. We have Star Wars, The High Republic number four, and this is by Kavon Scott and Ariel Anadita. 
Yes, 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 yes. So this I did you. read this one. This is all you, me. This is all you. This is all you. And um, I will say that I, you know, I've had an interesting thing when it comes to like mini, mini series where I feel like from one issue to the next, you feel like, damn, did I feel like I just missed a bunch of stuff? But then I have to remember that it's a mini and they can only really like tell so much of a story in it. And this issue kind of had a little bit of that where um, you, in the last issue, basically all of the heroes had been kind of captured by this plant, like uh, feature thing that could kind of take over people's bodies. And okay. Keeve is the main Jedi Knight. She just got her uh, knighthood. Um, we've been like following her and her Jedi master had recently like been going crazy on the, on this recent mission that they were going on. And he's been like kind of bloodlusted a little bit more. And he's been bringing up the fact that he lost his arm. And then he ends up being the one like most susceptible to this creature and gets up getting taken controlled over by this plant thing. Well, this issue, like we are, we kind of jump ahead to them already being captured and just kind of like, you know, doing the whole plead for their lives while they're, a former friend or current friend that's being controlled is like telling them like, no, I'm going to just take over this whole planet. Mm -hmm. So in this issue, uh, they are, the main heroes are sitting there still being captured. Uh, the taken over Jedi master, the like kind of lizard looking guy. He, uh, I can't think of his name. I can't think of his name right now, but he is like, being controlled by this plant creature and he's telling them like no i've been taking over this planet i've been feeding on the people of this planet um and the this planet's kind of like not a part of the empires and it's not a part of anything yet it's like one that is kind of on the outskirts so they have just been like farming and like there's not a lot of people there and they had just kind of got this contact for the first time really with these jedi and the person who has been like leading this planet has been like feeding the people to the plant creature and like he knew it <laughs> so wow. because he's looking at it like he just wants to have the power of this planet he don't care so right. okay. uh, they uh end up trying to basically get to their jedi friend and break through to him he finally breaks free of the plant creature's control and at the end of the book uh some huts appear because if you um if you guys remember the last issue there was a hut that they found on a different space station, but it was dead. Well, it turns out that it was not dead. It was actually uh, controlled by that plant creature. So it ends up waking up and like starting to attack all the Jedi. They have to kill the hut. Um, and the hut's brother like appears at the end of the issue, letting people know that he's looking for his brother and that oh. the, like that planet is now under hut control. Cause the huts are like, like bounty hunter people who like run after stuff and like get stuff with are the money. huts are the huts no the huts aren't the ones like in the white chunky suits right no the huts are the one <laughs> if you remember that <laughs> those are stormtroopers oh, okay. <laughs> oh wait no jabba jabba the hut he's like the, the big fat yep. guy right okay yes, the yes. slug he's like a slug yeah. yes, yes. yes yes okay i know yes. that and now, like, the, I assume that's going to be his brother. Like, that's kind of, they kind of look, they're drawn similarly. Um, but he appears and he's like, the Hutt cartel is here to take over this planet. And um, that's the, where the book ends. So it's basically going okay. to be them, the Jedi now fighting the Huts. I feel like this series has been all right. I've been a little 
lukewarm to it because this is supposed to be like the the new kickstart to like the new Jedi era. So now that we've all finished with everything that was going on in the movies, um, that was like post Darth Vader. Now mm-hmm. this is stuff. It's like the High Republic is supposed to be way before the Empire even rose. So it's like mm-hmm. in like a prosperous time, and they're supposed to be introducing these new villains called the uh, Nihil. But I haven't met them yet. <laughs> all, they've <laughs> talked about, all they've talked about in this series so far is that they exist, and that the, mm. the like lizard Jedi Master, like that's how he lost his arm, was like fighting them. But like we haven't seen them yet, and okay. this is just a mini series. So I'm like, when are we going? <laughs> I thought this was supposed to. Like, so is is it only five it. issues? It's six issues, but okay. So you got two more issues. So they gotta like fit a lot in two issues. Yeah. <laughs> or, <laughs> or we have to like spin off into something else. Because isn't that supposed to be the thing with like all the Star Wars comics and shows and like movies that everything is connected? Yeah, they're all like connected with each other. You can kind of just pick your favorite thing and mm-hmm. follow it all through, and they all kind of piece off into each other. But normally, what happens is similar to I guess like kind of the X Men line. There's like the Star Wars line of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there's like the Bounty Hunter books and um, okay. the like more strictly Jedi books. So like, it's like all kinds of Do you think that whatever they're just building in this story, they're just like waiting to put somewhere else and maybe like another show or like a movie and we'll see it more there? I feel like this was a more of an introduction for Keeve, like this like cute, I don't want to say black, she's, like drawn black, but she's not human. So like, uh-huh. um, it's like black girl who is the Jedi Knight of the story, who you're like kind of following and to go through her trials. I feel like this was more of an introducing to her. Okay. And she's really cool, but I was I would rather watch her explore the universe and not just like be stuck on this planet. <laughs> I thought that okay. what I was going. That's fair. And by by universe, I don't mean like the entire like Star Wars galaxy. I mean like the Star Wars High Republic. Like, I thought that we were going to be following Keeve as, like, the Nihile are introduced and, mm-hmm. you know, she's going through her trials or whatever. But it's mostly just been her on this planet dealing with this issue. Um, okay. So maybe maybe what I'm looking for is actually in other stuff. This is the only Star Wars The High Republic comic book out, but they've released a bunch of books um, and stuff mm. like that. So, I probably got to read the books. <laughs> got to read some novels. That's what you're thinking. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. What would you rate this issue? I would give this a three out of five. Oh, okay. That's yeah. That's good. Yeah. It's okay. like, still great art. I like the art. Okay. That's yeah. fair. Okay. Well, next up on our list is um, The Swamp Thing number two. And this is from Ram V and Mike Perkins with art by, uh, excuse me, with colors by Mike Spicer. Now, I love Ram V, and um, I think this book has only helped me realize like how much of a Swamp Thing fan I actually am, and like I would not, I followed a lot of his books. Like I even remember the Swamp Thing show that was on um, HBO Universe, uh, DC Universe when that was launching. Like I was all about that show. Like the Swamp Thing, I don't know what it is, but I'm just so into these stories. And like Ram V has introduced us to a new Swamp Thing. His name is Levy. And so the first issue, we basically had him kind of getting, I guess, taken over by the green. And he was like having these transformations in the Swamp Thing. So this issue, this guy, Pell Wanderer, who's like this ghost in the desert killing people, has been pulling Swamp Thing out at night to like watch him kill all these people. Levy finally like kind of takes control of it. And 
really accepts being part of the green and like what it means for him and what it means to his like legacy and his fatherhood. And he's able to defeat the pale wanderer. And like at the end of it, there is a giant tree like sprouts up in the middle of the desert. And so through it all, there was like this sheriff who was like trying to stop the pale wanderer and like the pale wanderer was about to kill him. He's like, oh, you're drunk, like you're bad. And so when the people are asking him about it the next day, they're like, what is this? And he's just like, it's a tree. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, it's a giant tree in the middle of the desert. Because like so when Swamp Thing killed the pale wanderer, he like basically put some of him into him and like the tree sprouted from out of his body. It was oh, like, okay. It was dope. Like Mike Perkins is killing it on art on this book. Again, it's just it's a it's a horror comic. So you know I'm all about it. I know you're loving it. Yeah. Like <laughs> I am all about it. And it's just like the story that he's telling, the way he's getting into the mindset. Like Ramby has a really good he does a really good job at like getting into the mindset of a character. It's like I know Tom Taylor can like kind of hit everybody's voice. Ramby like really gets into like what's broken about you, like what's breaking you down. And like bringing that to the surface and like making you really get into that part of it. And so I love that. Um, and again, because this guy is new, it's just, you don't feel like beholden by years of continuity or other things that's happened with Swamp Thing or like who the other ones are. It's just like the green is the green. It's always here. It just wants the earth to survive and it's going to find a host. And then this guy's the host because he's going through all this like family issues and like his dad just died and he kind of like hates himself a little bit. Um, but it's great. I would give this four out of five. A four point five out of oh, five, okay. actually. A four point five. Well, out damn. Five. All right. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, this is really good. And so I thought this was an ongoing series, but apparently it's not. When I put uh, this issue says number two of ten, so <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> um, you don't have to like really worry about, um, I guess reading it right away. I would love for people to read it right away and buy it so it can continue on and like show that support. But uh, it's something I guess if you want to wait a little bit, trade weight, you can have some time. Because it is a finite number of issues. How do you feel about that? Do you think that's like become a trend recently? So I would have said in the past. Prefer it. So I would have said in the past, yes. Um, I feel like a lot of books weren't making it past like twelve issues, and so and I feel like publishers were scared of their books making it past twelve issues, and so a lot of people really kind of started to uh, write their stories in that time frame, especially even like when Tom King did like the Vision series, the um. Mm -hmm. Mr. Miracle series, they felt very self-contained. Uh, there was like even a Old Man Hawkeye series, I think, that did that. But I will say, I feel like Immortal Hulk has kind of broken that curse. And I feel like comic book runs are lasting for a much longer time, especially like even during the pandemic. Like we weren't doing mm -hmm. anything else. And I think I saw like some figures on that that like sales did actually go up a lot, which makes sense. So I hope that like trend continues. I hope people enjoy the books while they read them. And so that way, it's like, even as we start to go back outside, um, you know, you take some time, like an hour or so, <laughs> stay inside, yeah. read your comic books. <laughs> take, take your comics outside. <laughs> take them outside. That's what digital's for. Mm -hmm. um, so, but yeah, like, definitely highly recommend it. I'm into this book. I'm into it. Um, next up on our list is Avengers number 44. Oh, Jason Aries, <laughs> art by Javier Garan, and colors from David Curio. Now, I do like we're, not gonna, we're not going to stay long on this. This arc, this is the end of the Phoenix arc. It was oh. not good. It's, <laughs> it was not good. And I'm going to tell you why it's not good. So first of all, so in this thing, he has made the Phoenix Thor's mom, 
And he has now made Echo the Phoenix. Wait, what? Echo is now the Phoenix. So we've gone through all these issues. They were fighting. So basically all the leftover heroes, uh, Namor, Namor, She-Hulk, Captain America, Black Panther, Shauna, the She-Devil, somebody else. I never remember the other chick's name. Um, They're still all, all fighting to be the Phoenix. Echo, but apparently who was defeated by Namor in the last issue, she's like rising out of the ocean, covered by all these little firebirds, talking about how the Phoenix apparently like chose her because she lost and like the Phoenix is all about like, it's this weird monologue that just like does not fit. It talks about how it picked her because she, you know, the Phoenix has had many hosts, but it's never had a host who could fight in any style because, you know, Echo can mimic anybody. So, like, she does this thing where she goes to fight Namor, and he's like, oh, that's Atlantean Kraken style. How do you know that? Like, it's just not good. Mm. (laughs) And so Echo flies off with the Phoenix Forest. Jean makes an appearance. And she's, like, (laughs) she's, like, psychically reaching out to um, Echo, and she's like, you know, you're a loner, but don't do this alone. The Phoenix loves to thrive off of loneliness. And, like, it's just, it's... And then, like, when when the Phoenix is leaving all the other hosts to go into Echo, they have, like, Valkyrie holding Thor back because he's screaming. He's like, no, bring back my mom. Like, that's my mother. Like, what? Like, it just doesn't. It's, like, not good. Like, it doesn't make sense. What was the point of that retcon? Like, why? I I think Aaron's bored. Okay. I just think he's, like, a little bored. And so he's like, I just want to have some fun. Honestly, this is one of those runs that I don't think anybody's ever going to reference ever again. Yeah, I think I agree. I think because of the title, it has to be put out. But I it's, feel like it's this isn't something that I think is ever going to be like. And I think I've and I think I've said it before, especially like the previous issues. This feels like a book that is very much written for the MCU. Every arc is just like a big movie that you want to see, like getting heroes battling, doing all this stuff. You can make it something in there. But um, for anything else, no. Like, I genuinely do not. Who's going to see Echo as the Phoenix in Marvel Universe? Like the MCU. Is that what you want to see? <laughs> no, that's not what I want to see. <laughs> like, who wants to see? Like, no, 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 you don't want to read that in your comic books. You don't want to see that a lot. Like, no, it's just not. I don't know. I think he's just boring. He's kind of just like, I'm just going to do whatever. Because he has, I don't know, Aven- uh, Heroes Reborn coming up. And then it's supposed to be oh. Avengers Reborn. That's him? That is him. Hmm. Interesting. Did, um... It, did the book finish with like a setup for the next arc or did it just end? It ended, but we do know that the next the next arc the next issue is the King and Black tie-in. <laughs> Wait, I thought that was over. It's like it was like something with Blade like fighting no. I was just like, what's going on? I was just like, what? I'm not I'm not doing it. I'm not picking this book up again. <laughs> I'm not. Like I'm not. It was I'm time. Not. I, I jumped off. Very early. I was done after, like... I, I mean, I jumped off early, too, but I came back. So I came back for the Moon Knight arc. Oh, right, right. And then I stayed... I don't know why I said... Because I don't even like the Phoenix. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I don't even like the Phoenix. Um, I think I just want to see the heroes fight. And then it was like, all right, this is just getting done. And then it just, like... It ended up as what it is. So that was that. At least it didn't end with Jean getting the Phoenix again or something, because... She deserves it. She is a lot more interesting without it, but <laughs> I think she and the Phoenix deserve each other. I see what you're saying. I think, I think <laughs> but um, 
it's just it was weird. It, uh, it's just a weird arc. Javier Garand art is beautiful. He's fantastic. Yeah, he's a great artist. Um, he has been consistently killing it. On here, David Curiel's colors are magnificent. He is probably one of my favorite current color colorists right now. So it's like totally into him. Um, I would give this issue just a two out of five. Just like it's just it's that just sounds weird. like that's off the strength of the art alone. <laughs> they, they, he has Echo do this like monologue about like her Cheyenne heritage and like how she's the Thunderbird, and it was just like Jason Aaron, please don't do that. Like that is not your place. <laughs> like we just no. got the Indigenous Voices no. issue with Echo, and it was very good. Like please don't come in here and do this. Um, it was no. So moving on. <laughs> Um, the next up is, oh, Marauders number 19, Jerry Duggan, Stefano Caselli, and, uh, colors from Edgar Delgado. This was probably, like, one of my favorite Marauders issues in a really long time. Oh, really? I And I realized, I realized <laughs> because it did not have Emma Frost in it. Ah, that would make And it had nothing to do with the Hellfire Club. Um, oh, and it was just so enjoyable. It's about the book that I didn't like. <laughs> yeah, she barely drags it down. This, um, this issue was Kate... Bishop, Iceman, and Pyro. So basically, when Shaw killed Kitty, or excuse me, Kate, and you know Lockheed was dropped to the bottom of the ocean, some people in Madripoor, Lowtown, found him, nursed him back to health. So Kitty like helped them. Excuse me, Kate. I can't help but call her Kitty. You know, it's force of habit. Right. right. Um, Kate helped them, and so the Verendi, the like Kid Hellfire Club. I don't like who, them. They're they're kind of awful, but they serve their purpose here. They basically uh, attack uh, Lowtown to try and destroy it, but the mutants can't go and protect it because Madripoor is not in like an alliance with Krakoa and the United Nations and all that, so it would be an international incident. And so they have to sneak in. They get Callisto to put a gate in the sewers of Madripoor. They go and get some Morlocks, Mask, Marrow, Bliss, and the other one whose name I can't remember. So they actually go in help the people of Lowtown get out. And because of that, they start calling it, like, Mutie Town. So basically, the mutants are in uh, Madripoor also. They've, oh, like, okay. Yeah. Taken um, over Lowtown? They, they've taken over Lowtown. The people are calling it Mutie Town now. So they own the Princess Bar. Oh, cute. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, very exciting. Um, And it's, like, I really like what um Jerry did with a lot of the character voices here. Everyone kind of got a chance to shine. Kate had her moment. Pyro and Iceman have to, like this little team up. They create like a giant pyrotechnic Iceman thing. We don't actually see it, but we hear like the uh, the ships they're creating a distraction for it against. They're like commenting on it, and like people are, like take pictures of it for us. <laughs> That's uh, cool. It's like a couple of funny moments like that in there. You have the uh, Morlocks kind of dealing with the question of as they're like killing the post-humans who are attacking Lowtown. They're asking, they're like, do these people count as humans? Like, is this against the Krakoan law? Are we going to get thrown in the pit for this? And but they're like, well, we don't actually live in Krakoa anyway, so it doesn't matter. Because the Morlocks have all been living on, like, in the state. That's oh, okay. Yeah, Mass has been there. It's been, um, it's been good. It was a good issue. Like, I feel like you should pick this up. I think what we've talked, what we, what we've talked about, and you've mentioned how you wanted this book to be, like, them going off, saving people, like, pirates, you don't like the Hellfire Club, you didn't want, like, all of that. Like, this is exactly what that issue was. Right. I I was under the impression that even when, when we did get the Hellfire Club, that it was going to be, you know, um, Emma giving uh, boss bitch meetings 
and um, yeah. you know, giving like, have you ever seen House of Cards? Yeah. You know, like she was gonna be in meetings talking like Claire. <laughs> and, <laughs> <laughs> but like that is not at all what this, what this yeah. book has been. So that's kind of what made me kind of jump off of it. But maybe it sounds like this issue I would actually end up like. I would say pick up this issue. Um, I'm gonna be interested to see. You know, this I feel like this book's been a bit of a shakeup after the Hellfire Gala. Um. We know Storm is leaving, or she's already left, if she wasn't at this issue at least. Um, I feel like Emma kind of won't be around as much anymore. I don't know. That's just like a hunch. Um, I know Jerry's also taking over like another book. I wonder if he's going to still continue to write this one, or if this will go over to somebody else and it'll get another shift that way, kind of like what Vita did when they took over New Mutants. Um, but we'll see. Again, this issue was good. I would give it four. It's not getting canceled or anything, is it? Is after. Jerry leaves to do the other book? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. What I've noticed is that most of the X book writers right now actually either have two books or will have two books in the future. Okay. Good for them. Um, yeah, right. So we can do something. Um, but so that was that. I would actually give this issue a four out of five. Probably one of my favorite Marauders issues to date. I really enjoyed it. Like it was great. It was great. Wow. I even yeah. enjoyed Kate. Yeah. Like, like I that was really the thing that brought me away from this book. I, <laughs> I don't really like Emma outside of like you know a fashion yeah. moment and <laughs> and when she does stuff for the kids, but like I don't really care about her. And the Hellfire stuff was not hidden, and I don't really care about Kate. <laughs> so this I was like, not here for the Emma and Kate show in this book in this series. <laughs> and I think and I think I like Kate because she wasn't with Emma. Uh, like, <laughs> she was interacting with like other characters who I like. So it was cool. Um, yeah. But that was that. And so the last book on our list for the day, my favorite book, mm. Excalibur, issue number 20 from Teeny Howard and Marcus Toe with art, color, color art. I cannot say that together for today for some reason. Um, with art and colors by Eric Nasiega. I did not read this. I dropped this. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I just, I've, I've, I've had to accept that I just did not. I don't care about Excalibur, like the stuff that they were doing in there. I was hoping to get some. I I was only really in Excalibur for Betsy and like her her journey as Captain Britain, but like the whole team don't do nothing. And every time I'd walk away from the issues, I was always like, what? So I just dropped it. I mean, so I don't mind that the rest of the team does nothing because honestly, I don't care about anybody else on the team but Betsy. Like truly, like this <laughs> book could be about nobody uh, but the Braddocks and I would be perfectly fine. <laughs> like everybody else could go. Yeah. Um, but also to your point, they don't do anything. So there's not reason, really a reason for me to care about them. I think this issue, I think this issue kind of reminded me that Excalibur gives me like whiplash. Because the way that I can like jump back and forth with my feelings on the issue, like I already spoke about why I didn't really care for 19 and what I felt about what I felt as though it didn't do for Betsy and her story arc and her character. And so I was kind of like cautiously optimistic that this one would do some of that. I feel like it did, but it was just in a very clumsy way. So in this issue, we basically have Malice is on Krakoa. She took over the body of Emma Frost. She went through a gate, her psychic form went through a gate, 
she took over the body of Emma Frost. And so like um, Betsy and Psylocke too basically stop her from completely taking her over. But Charles walks in and he's like, oh, that's Malice. We're going to throw her in the pit <laughs> because she attacked a council member. And like Betsy and uh, Psylocke too are kind of like, maybe not. Like, isn't Krakoa supposed to be allowed to give second chances and like letting people redeem themselves? Like, she's young. Like, let us try and talk to her. We also get a, um, the origin story of Malice, which is something I don't think we've ever had before. No, we've never gotten that. Um, basically, she's a 16 year old girl. Uh, she was like, uh, she was suffering from depression, it seems like, in the issues, and uh, she was kind of going, she having an argument with her mom, and when her mom comes up to bring her some food, she finds her basically dead on the ground, and we see, like, Malice's psychic form there. I guess this is, like, her mutant powers activated how she became the psychic entity she was, and mm-hmm. then she just, like, flies off, and then that's how we, she becomes the Malice we know, which honestly felt a little strange. I've never read Malice as a teenager. Me neither. And, like, maybe you could be, and I was... That's why I was like, I'm kind of upset you didn't read it now because you're supposed to be the, you're the, like the Malice guy because you are a Polaris fan and <laughs> Malice and Polaris like um have a very like heavy connection. And so I, I yeah. want to get your opinion on that. Has she ever seen that way to you? What, what, what are your thoughts there? No, she's always, that's kind of weird that they would end up making her a, a teenager um and for the listeners and people not watching i'm literally wearing a polaris t-shirt <laughs> right now <laughs> and i um that's weird that she was would come across as a teenager because when she controlled polaris during the whole marauders thing yeah he was supposed to be like sinister's like right hand general kind of character and she yeah. never came across as like inept or like a teenager or like like mm-hmm. a, like a lost child or anything she was like i know like, I'm, I'm, don't, i know what i'm doing she was giving you psylocke too 45 year old assassin yeah 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 <laughs> i totally understand that um so yeah so that was a little strange yeah. to me and so <laughs> then you kind of um we go into the rest of the issue and so then we like see betsy rogue and jubilee like are in betsy's room she's trying on clothes um, but she's like talking about how they don't really fit her. And so that's when uh, Salak 2 walks in and she's like, oh, these clothes don't fit me because they were made for your body. And it's like, that also doesn't make sense because like a big part of the body swap was always that like Betsy and um, Quanan were like physically the same. Right. Like, same height, same frame, like, or not the same frame, but like same height, same, but like it was supposed to be like a swap merging of them. Um. But, you know, she comes in and she's like, we need to deal with this malice situation. So they like, we also get like some really interesting bits with them. I will say I was very much in the camp of I never needed to see them together again. Like (laughs) I was very much okay with them giving Rogue, Carol, Will not really bang together, but we can do the job together. We can do Um, the job together, yeah. Teeny seems to kind of be trying to make them come to a place of friendship, which is fine. It actually is kind of cute here. And we see that... Betsy can hold Psylocke 2's psychic knife. Oh. Yeah, which is like, again, it kind of calls back to last issue, how she was saying that they're always going to be connected in ways that they'll probably never fully understand. So Wait, wait, we'll, wait. What do you mean she can hold her psychic knife? Like, like she drops it. Like, it's oh. like a psychic dagger, and she drops it, and, like, Betsy catches it. Oh, and okay. She, and, like, and she says it. She's like, I've only ever been the only person who can, like, hold that when I make it. And mm-hmm. so she was like, oh, well, 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't know how to make a psych knife if it wasn't for me, but okay. I mean, but, I mean, T. Like, <laughs> um, but so they go into this uh, mindscape of malice. <sighs> Betsy kicks Quanon out to deal with malice, and she talks about how come to Krakoa, get your second chance. We can make you a body. Like, we can try and help you get out of this funk you're in. They fight a little bit. Betsy does have some moments about, like, you know, I might have lost that fight. Because Malice tries to go with her, like, oh, you lost that fight with Iska, which wasn't really a fight. But she was, you know, Betsy's like, you know, I might have lost that fight, but we still won the war. She was like, I am a fighter. You trying to go with me isn't going to work. I've done this before. I've fought my own shadow. You can't, like, manifest yourself as me and, like, make me back down. It's not going to work. So I really enjoyed that moment for her. Um, All in all, they managed to kind of free Malice, give her a body. Charles is like, we throwing her in the pit. (laughs) I mean... <laughs> Charles, Charles, Charles is like Charles does not see it for her at all. He's like I'm reading her mind right now. He's like she's still very like volatile. She's still very like angry. I don't see that she feels forgiveness or anything, or she feels sorrow for anything that she's done. But all the girls are like Betsy, Salak too, and Emma are all like no, like we're gonna show mercy. It's okay. She didn't actually harm us. Let's help this child find a second chance. So Charles is like fine. The issue as a whole is kind of supposed to be a discussion. They didn't about... give Lorna no say. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, so there, there, there is a data page in the book that talks about like all of uh, Malice's previous targets and like Polaris is on the list. And I was like, oh, <laughs> look at that. She got mentioned. Um, the issue as a whole is kind of supposed to be a discussion around depression and suicide. Um, there is, at the end of the issue, there's, like, a little blurb, you know, if you know anyone who's feeling depressed or you're feeling suicidal, like, look for help. So it's, um, again, I understand. I feel as though it it just wasn't happening the best because even the way they kind of handle malice, it's, we give her a body, go be happy. Like, you're on this island now. You got your second chance. Like, don't mess it up. It's like, okay, but what are we actually going to do to, like, help her? Like, I think, especially with Psylocke 2 being there, it would have been like, okay, let's add her to the Hellions and try and, like, do something there. Like, let's move her out. I don't know. Again, it might happen in the book. I don't know, but just the way it ended off in this issue, it felt a little strange. And it was just kind of like, okay, like, I guess. Um, With Betsy, again, this is where I say I get the whiplash because the way Teeny writes her, from last issue to this issue was so completely different. And again, last issue was so completely different from issue 17, which was different from 13. Um, And when she gets Betsy's voice, like she gets it, like it's there. You get this like kind of confident woman. They've also started the trend, uh, not the trend, but the take of that. A part of why Betsy enjoyed being in Quanon's body was because she hated her own. Um, In the Age of X-Men miniseries that happened extremists, Leah Williams had Betsy saying that she suffered from like body dysmorphia and she kind of hated her body and like that's why she was always nice to Quanon's body. And so I guess Teeny is taking that into this one. She makes a comment to Malice about how she never liked her original body. She's like, oh, we can make you a new body in Krakoa. Like they made the one that I'm currently in. I never liked my original one. So like it doesn't matter to me. And I don't like that. I do not enjoy and honestly, like, 
It kind of. <laughs> this is a safe space. You could say it. <laughs> so, so first of all, like body dysmorphia is like a very slippery slope, like in and of itself. This is for someone like I, I talk about how I go to the gym. This is someone who suffers from some body dysmorphia of his own. You know what I'm saying? Like I yeah. get it. I understand that like struggles with dealing with your body, attaining perfection, all of those kinds of things. I don't think that's something that Betsy has ever dealt with. I can, I can, or not to the level of she hated her body. And I feel like even having her say that on the page, it takes away from the mystery and magical arc where she created her, where she recreated her original body. You know, after Sapphire Sticks had like kind of killed her in Psylocke 2's body, she like uses her psychic energy to recreate herself in the image that she sees as the best. And she like has this whole monologue at the end of the issue about how for so long everyone else was controlling her body and doing whatever they wanted with it. And like, using her and abusing her and like she's finally found that strength to take it back and reclaim herself and like be confident in that and so now to come back and her to be like oh no i always hated it it really takes away from that story arc in that moment for her and then it's also as things like the one thing that she hated everybody using and abusing her body doing whatever they want with it they did it like eight times in this story arc <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was just like <laughs> It was just like, oh my gosh! It was just like, so it, it loses a lot of its agency for me, and it just, and then to even kind of have Betsy sit back and be like, oh, I hated my body, that's why I stayed in Quanin's body. It's like, now she comes off kind of gross. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> it's just like no, it's like that's not what the story was ever about. It was, a, and again, it's different because even in the last issue, you have Psylocke too making the comment. How they were both victims <laughs> right like, yeah. like she says like this was something that was done to us it, it, the line it, it just really does not feel right i think it's a really strange again slippery slope to go on and i think it's a big misreading of the story of betsy in general and just kind of like what she's gone through what the swap means for her and what it all entails um i do not enjoy it and someone made the comment I was talking to some other Betsy fans and we've just been like, you know, talking about the arcs and things like that. And they were saying they don't think Teeny <laughs> <Not> likes <funny>. <laughs> <laughs> They were talking about how they don't think Teeny likes Betsy. And I was like, I don't think that's true. I was like, I think Teeny likes Betsy. But you know, we've always kind of talked about how Teeny is fairly new to comics. Um, I think she's kind of in like year five or six of writing, even less than that, because about a year and a half of it was paused due to the pandemic. Um but I think she likes Betsy, but I just don't think she's she was she was not she's said she wasn't an avid comic book reader. So I don't think she's read a lot of Betsy's stories. And she's mentioned how she's read a lot of the old Captain Britain stuff. And she her favorite Betsy is pre X Men Strike Betsy. Oh, okay. And that's like not even Outback era, just like way before. Okay, not even the Outback era, like. <laughs> yes. okay. okay like the pink armor and cape is right there i saw like, i mean i figured we all like go if, back to that like <laughs> if you want to go back to a template let's go back to the template okay, <laughs> okay. how do you think we got modern day emma frost let's mm -hmm. well, let's talk about it we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. um we'll but there. so my th so my thing is like you know th this version of betsy that she likes it's very much or the version of betsy that she likes that it feels like she's writing on the page is a betsy who is, who says she's gone through all of the things that we have read throughout the years, but doesn't know how to apply any of it. 
Mm. You know, and I guess that's where the disconnect is coming for me, or what I've realized I think the disconnect for me is. So it's like, she keeps saying these things like, oh yeah, I'm a fighter. Like, I know how to do this. I can do this. I have all this knowledge. I have all this history. I have all these skills. I've been here. But then it's like, you get her there and she's acting like pre-X-Men strike Betsy. (laughs) 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 Who didn't know how to do any of those things. And so it's just, it's it's like, it's night and day. I think, again, and then there are some things with the art that I just feel as though I think both Tini and Marcus are very talented separately. Mm-hmm. I do not think that they are a great team. Mm-hmm. I think there are some times where you read this book and it feels like some piss, some pisses, some pages are missing or um, like you've just skipped over something. And I think that's like where, and Tini's even said, she's like, I like to let my artists go crazy. And it's like, I don't know if they're just like, I think they need to communicate a little bit more. And I don't mm-hmm. think they're doing that. So I'd like all... to see the book get a new style or something and a little bit more of a a better like trajectory <laughs> for me. For me to like really want to get into it again. I feel like it's just like even the trajectory the trajectory for me is fine. Like I think about it. So at the beginning of the issue, like, you know, Betsy's back, she's talking to the council and they're telling her about all the things that are going on. They're like, you know, the queen is mad because they feel as though they don't have their captain Britain right now, which is like, get over it. Don't you have union Jack or something like you got other people <laughs> there who can do the job. Captain Britain is a mutant now. She don't care about Britain. She don't care anymore. Um, you know, so she's got that going on. You know, they talk about Saturnine and like how Saturnine won't talk about any to anybody else but Captain Britain. And, you know, they've got the whole other world gate going on. They've got um, there's a data page where Pete Wisdom is like texting Betsy nonstop talking about how he's coming to the gala with um, Clan Akaba, who's been, you know, yeah, you know what I'm saying? So it's like she's got a lot of stuff to do. And, like, I think the story is still there and there's still a lot of things to go with, but I think a lot of things that are supposed to be happening or that we were supposed to have gotten, again, I said it before, it felt like we had to pull teeth to get to it. Um, The narrative, again, is consistently staying strong. The way she's writing the story is good. I think... I don't know. It's just... I, I guess it's now it's like everything else is fine. Now is it do I just not like the character? <laughs> well i i know i don't <laughs> um or not even do i just not like the characters um i don't know is there just enough to keep me as, as interested like yeah no i guess just do i like the characters? like i like bessie that's fine and so again like even but this malice story felt strange because why have malice and psylocke 2 come in and gotten more characterization and story time than half of the book and so it's like you keep again this is where i say it kind of feels like we're being dragged along by the plot because no one else is really interacting with anything and it's like at some point like we need to have everybody start interacting with these things like it, it this is the book for it um everybody else kind of has to start speaking up and doing their own thing and betsy i don't know she just gotta stop giving me whiplash with that <laughs> yeah I do so, feel like that has at least reached a conclusion now as far as the Betsy Psylocke thing. Yes. Like that's done. Like like they can move like, past this now. <laughs> yes. I think I think this I think the last issue and this issue were very much testaments to them moving past it and kind of like going forward. I know a lot of people still aren't happy with it. A lot of people still feel as though it was kind of hollow. We didn't really get to a real resolution for Betsy. 
Um, but I kind of feel like, what else are we going to like? I don't think we're going to revisit it again. And I don't think it's something that needs to be revisited again. It's I'm so tired of it. Like, yeah, I'm tired. I'm ready to <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it has been, it has been 20 plus years of this. And so my thing is like, because I feel like even with Betsy, like Teeny said stuff about how she was going to have Betsy facing her privilege. And even that has felt hollow because it's like, if we really want to get into it, let's talk about how this white woman was in this Asian woman's body. And then she's now back in her white woman body. Like how are people treating her differently? How is she reacting to that? How does she now view like other minorities and like want to help them? And how does she get back, especially her being Captain Britain? Like how is she helping the minorities of Britain? Like Britain's not white. You know, it's like, right, right. And, and, and you can even say that, oh, like she's been on the lens of it. She's been in the lens of the other person. So she knows exactly what they're going through and those microaggressions and things that she can face. And like, let her face that privilege and let her make a difference about it. But we don't even get that. I think the problem with that is, did she ever really face those issues while she was in that Asian body? Like, did she come face I mean, to face with like, I, I, mean, I, I always thought that that was kind of a part of the story that she like was in this Asian body, but she's not an Asian woman, so she never fully got so, the Asian experience. In the original story, um, that Betsy washes ashore on a hand compound, and they find her. She's amnesiac. This is just after she like sent all the team through the Siege Perilous, and they find her amnesiac, and they're like, oh, we recognize her as the X-Man Psylocke from TV. She doesn't have any uh, memory right now, but she is a form- formidable psychic. We think we can make her an assassin on par of Electra. So they like, <laughs> mm, <my girl. laughs> so, um, so they like kidnap her, but they put her body through this like very uh, magical transformative process, kind of get Mojo involved in the body shop because the whole thing is that we can't have this white woman running around the um, Chinese underground. <laughs> talking about she's fighting for us. So right. that's how they make her the Asian woman. Fabian the Caesar never read that story. Then he created Kwanin, which like, and then once he found out, he immediately killed her off. <laughs> <laughs> um, which started the whole body swap thing, which was like became this like huge confusing mess merger for like the last 20 years. So no writer ever really hit on like what it was for this white woman to be in this Asian woman's body. Because again, it was like a lot of men writing comments at the time. They wanted their hot psychic ninja Asian babe. Like that was it. Like let's get into it. It was a fetish. Um, And so a lot of women writers have like said that they would have loved to kind of do it. I remember G. Willa Wilson when she did the uh, X-Men story arc for like four issues, she talked about if she would have been on that run longer, she kind of would have dealt with something like that for Betsy about her being in this body and like the microaggressions she faces and how she deals with that. And so when you get to Teeny talking about how she wants to have Betsy facing her privilege, it's like, oh, okay, like this is something that we've all kind of been like waiting to see and waiting to get into. And it's like, even that, it's just Betsy like crying, talking about, oh my, and like forcing, trying to force alternate reality quantum to accept an apology. And it just doesn't work. It, I guess it fits. It feels very white woman. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like, it's it's very like white woman feminist. Uh, And so it's so funny. You don't watch it, but I'm watching the Real Housewives of Dallas right now. Mm. And there are these two housewives. One is named Brandy and one is named Tiffany. Brandy a couple of years ago, she did, like, a very offensive video mocking Asian people, like, in their eyes. She, like, did her eyesight. So, like, resurfaced, and then 
right? And so then the Asian house, the Tiff, no, excuse me, the housewife Tiffany is an Asian woman. So like in some of the very first episodes, like Tiffany and Brandy like address it, and like Tiffany comes up to her and Tiffany's like, I understand that you are not racist. You're ignorant. Like it was ignorant. Like you know what you did was wrong. I don't have to explain that to you was wrong. But let me tell you like why it's wrong. And she like tells her a little bit about her story. And so they kind of like make up. But like Brandy still continues to carry this guilt about this video and it's just kind of like girl she's not even mad at you anymore like she doesn't <laughs> think you're racist like she gets it you're white and stupid like i'm sorry like to any white people who are listening but, <laughs> but um, minorities people of color kind of already understand systemic racism and what it has done and like yeah, we live. How, you know what I'm saying? Like, we understand stereotypes and all that stuff. So, so it's like we already kind of assume that even if you're not like completely, even if you're not a racist, you still got a little bit of like, right, something. In, it's, it's a little bit of something in there. And it's not your fault. <laughs> it, right. it, it, it is just the way the world has been like for so long. We are trying to break down that system. Um, and so, like, I've been watching that and I've been, like, reading this Excalibur story and it's, like, so interesting to, like, see these two white women crying <laughs> so much. And it's just, like, and, like, the Asian women are just supposed to forgive them. And it's, like, this was never how, kind of, like, it felt for Betsy in that story in the first. And, again, like, if that's how you want to take it, that's fine. But if you're going to say, let's have her address it, have her address it. Don't just have her pushing her white women's tears. Yeah, no. It's like, and so would I don't know if Teeny would have had the experiences in her own life to kind of know how to do that. Exactly. I don't know her like I don't know her like this. So she, <laughs> could, she could have, but would you know? But, but that's what I say. It's like this. If it, it's like it was never. I mean, Betsy's a white woman, but it was always very much she understood that what she was doing was wrong, and it's like the type of character she is she would understand that it's wrong and like truly you're gonna again you're gonna have her address the privilege address the privilege because betsy's not the type of character who kind of shies away from stuff like she is bullheaded she's stubborn she'll like confront it head on and have her deal with the repercussions of that but you just have her like running and crying again this is not the woman who you say you're writing it's weird i go through a lot of emotions with this book it's my favorite book (laughs) <laughs> at least it's keeping you in and you know invoking all these emotions in you so and that's my thing and i think the thing about excalibur again is like it has Better than me. I, I dropped x factor a long time ago <laughs> <laughs> so i think the thing about x i think the thing about excalibur that excalibur has really good ideas and um i think the conversations it can lead to mm-hmm. are like fantastic that make you one like that you can come from for this book, whether it be about the Captain Britain corpse, whether it be about mutant magic, I think the exploration of like other realms and like uh, mutants getting stronger and their sense of togetherness is amazing. Again, I think having a mutant Captain Britain is amazing. I think again, if you would actually have Betsy facing her privilege, it would be amazing. I think the concept of the Captain Britain corpse kind of being all mutant now is amazing. I think Otherworld is amazing. Like there's a lot of stuff in here, but it just feels like we're clumsily falling into place. So it's like, are we going to continue clumsily or are we going to finally stand up straight? I would like to stand up straight. Stand up. <laughs> well, when you start standing up, let me know, because I want to stand up too. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
all in all, I would honestly give this issue a 3.5 out of 5. Like, again, okay. it's very well written. I think there are just some parts that feel a little heavy-handed, a little awkward. I think the characterization of not even everyone else, just Betsy, is so back and forth that it's really hard to latch on to the parts that you like and say, oh, okay, yeah, like, this is this is great. Like, this is the Betsy I want to read about versus, like, okay, this is the Betsy I want to be sympathetic about and, like, kind of watch her grow because they're just so jarring. Yeah. And it's just like, um... The art was nice. Again, I think both of these people are very talented. The co- the coloring is a little. Sh- I do think the coloring also helps sometimes. The coloring strange. Like even when they bring Malice back in like her body on Krakoa, her hair is brown, and then like a page later, it's black. Hmm. Yeah. So it's like you know I don't know what the editors be doing, but I was Excalibur. Those are the comments. I didn't think I was going to talk about that book for so long. Hey, it's your page. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite book. It has my favorite character. Like I have like, yeah, you know, and again, there's some things that I think even if we're going to do like the body dysmorphia thing for Betsy, like I can even like truly find a way to make that work in my head. Like the doll was a model, you know. Right. She she I'm sure she's had some body issues. Um, and, you know, I can't really say that, like, oh, she's had body issues, but, like, she didn't hate her body. Body dysmorphia is about lacking control. It's like you're never really going to know how you feel. But it just doesn't really feel like it was him. The nuance wasn't there of just, like, right. what it really was, of what it's mm-hmm. supposed to be. So it all just kind of feels like it's slapping you in the face, so you're just supposed to take it. Like, all right. Mm-mm. But there's no nuance there. It just feels like you are... Uh, forcing a problem that you just want me to see <laughs> yeah. and, and just accept that it's there, but it really isn't. Very white woman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, that was Excalibur. Those are the comics of the week. All right. Let's take a break. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Welcome back uh, to another relaunch. This time we are doing another rewatch, and it is of Invincible episodes four and five. Now, I have been loving the series. Mm-hmm. I um, am a big fan of animation, um, especially like superhero animation and stuff. So I've been really enjoying this series a lot. Um, I used to really read the Invincible comics back in the day. I fell off um, after a while, but because I was just in college, <laughs> but like uh, I did used to read the comics a bunch, and this has been really cool to see the translation of them from from the comics to screen, and they've updated a lot of it and made it a lot more current, um, you know. Uh, so I've really been enjoying this. Uh, between I, I wanted to talk to about these two episodes more of just like a, a general conversation about them. Um, yeah, so that it's not just like a big long thing. Um, so I will say that I liked episode five more than four um but they both were really good i would say that four still gave you like a lot of like background stuff versus like a lot of the action that we kind of been getting before um but five was still like a really good (laughs) episode to me (laughs) um 
I'll, I'll be basic and just say I was really enjoying the action. Like, <laughs> it no, was different. So, no, um, I was about to say, no, I also preferred episode five over to four because of the action. Like that big fight scene with um, the new Guardians and uh, the big lion. What's his name? Battle Beast? I think uh, his yeah, name was. Yeah, with that mace. It's something about a mace. It's a very it's a very aggressive weapon, first of all. Like I feel like right. if you're in a mace, like your intent is to kill somebody. Like, like Hawkman, Hawk Girl. Ass. <laughs> yeah, like you're gonna kill somebody. There's no way to like gently <laughs> get somebody with a mace, you know what I'm saying? Um so th- I thought that was really amazing. I thought that us kind of I feel like episode five was also tailor made for me. We kinda like got into the street. A little bit. Okay, episode five was definitely Taylor Mary for like, you because um not to and that's not to take anything away from episode four, which episode four was all about uh kind of more character moments and stuff. You got more stuff with Mark being a superhero and still more stuff with people unraveling the mystery of who killed the guardians yeah. and stuff like that. But five <laughs> I mean, I think at some point they even say like Oh, like street level stuff. Like <laughs> Yeah, like like, like literally like they were saying it was like you're all the way up there in the sky. He's like, Come look at what happens down the street. And I was just like, Yes. Like I literally stood up. I was like, Yes. I said that exact same line before. So that was, that yeah, I, was like, I knew this was for you. <laughs> I was like, come down here. Um So no, I thought that was really good. I thought I but I, I thought I thought the characters who were a part of it and like kind of watching that guy like play it so he actually became the one to be the new like crime lord or kingpin or whatever he calls himself um that was pretty dope so i realized that i don't actually like too many of the characters in this show um i find them very unlikable (laughs) that's fair all of them which (laughs) yeah just about um and I think that, and I th- again, I think that's why I've also just been like really drawn more to the action. Uh, it's just been like, yeah, it's just. It's I mean, I mean, but again, like I look at some of the characters, and it's like, of course, I'm not really going to enjoy that much. Invincible himself, like he's a high school. He's a, we've talked plenty of times about how we are probably never really going to connect to kids anymore, like the high school age. Like you, you got to be high, like college or something yeah. like that. Um, I can because appreciate those characters for what they bring to the table and like all that kind of stuff, but I won't have that much of an attachment to them because I I just look at Invincible <laughs> and say, God, you're stu- you're a stupid kid. Like, why are you trying to date this girl and trying to be a superhero? Like, it, it doesn't work. <laughs> right. Right. Like, but again, like that's the ego of a teenager. They're hubris, and that's how they think. They think we thought that we could do it all. Um, that so Omni Man is obviously just kind of evil. So. I don't know if you could really like him. <laughs> <laughs> right, um, right. He does kind of smush people's heads. So <laughs> you know, uh, Debbie is great, but at the same time, I look at Debbie and I say, you know, what kind of wife are you? You're supposed to be a ride or die. Like you sit here <laughs> trying to throw your man in the slammer now. Like you checking around, um, looking for a bloody costume. He should have been able to come to you and been like, hey, I gotta kill these people. But I need you to know it's all right and it's for a reason. And her, she should have been like, yeah, I get it. Now, see, that is the kind of relationship, you know, that I would be in. You know, (laughs) you come in with the problems, all right. But it doesn't, I don't think that uh, Omni Man, 
I don't think but, that he really, I don't know if he really cares that deeply. But that's my like, thing. And that's my thing also. It's like, that's why also Omni-Man himself isn't likable because it's like, why are you such an asshole that you don't feel as though you can trust your wife with whatever's going on? This is the woman who you're raising your child with. You should be able to come and speak to her about anything and know that she will support you. But then again, Debbie is a very good woman. She's a good woman with a good heart. So I'm pretty sure if he did come up and be like, I might do kill all these people, she wouldn't have been like, hold on now. <laughs> she was like, let's just think about this. Um, and then you ruined the plan and he probably would have had to kill her too. So it's like it's a little tricky. I see it's it's like it's like a hex. See, episode four is where we get a lot more inside of her head where she's starting to see a little bit of that, where she's like, mm, I don't know. If this if man I'm married too. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, because she had already in, I think it was episode two or three, she had, I think it was three, she had that uh, encounter with Demon Dark Blood, and, mm-hmm. you know, he's kind of telling her, like, girl, <laughs> put it all together. You know what's up. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's going on. <laughs> connect, connect the dots, please. And um, she is starting to see through it, and in episode four, we saw her, and uh, Omni-Man go to Paris to kind of rekindle their relationship, but even then she's like, you know, I feel like there's something like you're not telling me and some secrets and stuff there. Would you feel, if you were her, would you feel afraid to date an Omni-Man or would you just like... Oh my god, so I was thinking about that and I don't know if you ever remember. Did you ever watch Smallville? I did not, know. So there was an episode of Smallville where Lana Lang got like Superman. She got Superman like powers. And so they both had super strength and all that. And so they, I guess there was supposed to be the scene that was implied of them having super strong sex. Ah. <laughs> and so I, <laughs> ever since that, I've always kind of had these thoughts about like superheroes, like normal people who date super strong heroes. And it's just like, if this man like kind of loses control, because Omni Man is strong. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like this man is strong over here. Like that is that's dangerous. Again, I get it. Mm-hmm. I would be. Scared. You know, I like I like him a little, <laughs> a, little <laughs> a little dangerous. <laughs> but I don't want to my life. <laughs> you know, um, poor Debbie. Yeah, she's a good woman. She doesn't deserve it. No, she does. I mean, and then like you know, her son, if he get out, of, if he like says, I don't want to do this, what can she really do? What can she do? If she, she said, he, put him he, on. he said that there. He said that there too. He was like, you can't stop me. <laughs> <laughs> what you um, So poor them. But yeah. so again, I felt like I, I felt like episode four was uh, still pretty good. You also see in that episode. Um, at least that episode ends with Robot, the uh, guy who's now leading the Guardians of the Globe, who was a part of the like team team or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, that he stole some DNA from Rex and he presented it to like this uh, like person at the end of the uh, series, mm-hmm. and uh, that is uh, Rudy Rudy Connors, who is supposed to be like an extension of Robot himself. So mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, we're going to see a lot more of what's going on there. I do not like Robot. <laughs> <laughs> I do not like Robot. And then um, whatever he was... I, I get Monster Girl is supposed to be 25 years old. <laughs> I understand. Is she? That's the thing, because she gets younger when she turns into a monster. But did so you like, notice in episode 5, 
so okay, we done with episode four, right? Right. Right. Yeah. So now we're going on to episode five, and it has the team team. I think it was they had come back from a mission. I don't think they were training. And they were like celebrating, right? Celebrating, right? And then she had talked about like, oh, you know, they I'm, were drinking. I'm, yeah, and she didn't want to give her the drink. But did you notice she said that she was 26? She changed oh, she, her age. Oh, she, did she? It, yeah, because on the episode before that, when she was like, oh, I can't like do the workouts every time because um, like every time right. I transform, I get younger. Yeah. She was like, that episode, she said she was 23. Then she was like, oh, I'm 23 mm-hmm. years old. Then in this episode, she said she was 25. Oh. And then later... Like while she was walking out, while she was walking out, she was like, oh, you know, um, she said something again about her age. And it was like, yeah, like, I I can't do this because, like, if I keep changing, like, I'll be gone in in a week. (laughs) And um, I think the the other older guy on the team, I can't think of the black guy. He was like, he was like, oh, do you trust everybody? And Rob, a robot was like, not all of them. And he like Mm. looked at Monster Girl. So I think something's going on with her. I thought it, I, th- I thought it was just him kind of being like obsessed with her. Mm. That's how I looked at. I don't know. Maybe there's something happening in the comics, and you're trying to give me a hint to be like you're wrong. I don't give a But you know, um, when I was originally watching, I was thinking of it was a thing like he was kind of like obsessed with her or of some sort, and he was like going to use yeah. her blood to make clones of her. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't like robots. So whatever happens, like I hope he fails. Um, I don't know what he's doing with all of these people. It's like he's very I sketchy. Um, I, I was kind of hoping he was going to be one of the ones who died in that battle with uh, <laughs> machine <laughs> with the machine head guy, because um, poor black guy. Rest Damn. in peace. And first of all, this show is brutal. <laughs> <laughs> very. It's okay. brutal, and it's like, and it's like, and, and, and it's like, I know it's brutal going in, but even when something happens, I'm still kind of like, damn. <laughs> yeah. When they were fighting Battle Beast, and he like broke his arm, and then just started slamming. First, why we keep slamming these black men on the ground like this? <laughs> Putting the brothers through it, just like they gotta like, get slammed to the ground and arms broken. Like it was nasty, and then the way he took out Monster Girl was just like, damn. Okay, she felt it. Um, even when Invincible got it, gotta be dead, right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> it was like it was brutal. Them heads with the it was like boom. <laughs> Battle Beast was given. That's a yeah. fighter. He yeah. was given. Like I so was like this. This episode we follow. Uh, Luke Cage. <laughs> Legit. I was like, oh, Luke. <laughs> Wait, we following Luke Cage around, or some dude who can like turn his body into stone, and he is basically like a. He lives in the hood, and he is trying to like quote unquote get his family out, or like keep to keep them protected or whatever. So he's been working for Machine Head, or like doing work for Machine Head as just like a hired gun, right. uh, or hired muscle. Um, but then, uh, you know, thinking ahead, <laughs> yeah, thinking ahead, he was like, you know, bringing, he basically brought the battle to Machine Head by convincing Invincible that, you know, like you said earlier, you are 
a a superhero you need to come on down to the street level and like see what else is going down down here come and help me out and i really like the way that in that this show kind of shows the the real like choices that superhero characters have to make or at least like super powered characters have to make uh, which is which is like do i have these superpowers do i only focus on the the elephant guy like he fought in this like do I only fight the the elephant creature or do i yeah. also help out people who are dealing with like gun violence or drug stuff or whatever so that was a really a cool take and on. i like that conversation that they actually had that like omni-man debbie and invincible had, and he was kind of like your big picture this isn't something that you do this isn't something that you deal with and as honestly it's like it he got his ass whooped, so maybe it should be something that he <laughs> so he knows how to deal with it. <laughs> um, but I, I I agree with that. I think the show does that very well, and I appreciate it because truly is. And even when he was about to fly away, he said it. He was like, "Oh, maybe you could call like Fight Force or something like that." Like, go get somebody else. I'm asking you. <laughs> you a hero? You can't say no to me. What you mean? Right. Um, that was good. I thought that it was interesting that um, the I can't I really can't think of his name Titan I can want to keep calling him Luke Cage but it was it was Titan that's what I saw <laughs> <laughs> um, but Titan it was interesting that he was like he played on the superheroes like their morality basically yeah. it was like I know he's not gonna say me no mm-hmm. <laughs> I know he's gonna come down here because he's got these high morals of being mm-hmm. a superhero he's coming down here to come and help me. And I can get him to basically move my problem out of the way. So they come in there like trying to take on Machine Head to basically like let uh, Titan go. But Titan pretty much just, I'm sorry, uh, Machine Head is like, no, you thought you had the one up on me. Actually, like, I got money. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's all that matters. (laughs) you think that you come in here all big and bad with your superpowers, but like I, I have money, right. and sure enough, like six other uh, supervillains like appear up in the room, and he's like, I can have them take you all on, and they get to fighting, and like you said, this action was giving, like everything, everything. Exactly the battle beast was dope. The whole entire fight scene was really cool. Um, <laughs> you see the. The Guardians of the Globe end up coming back in and trying to help out once, you know, Invincible gets his ass beat. Mm-hmm. And they try to help. And I really do appreciate the way that the action in this is more realistic. And that's obviously, like, it's a animated superhero show. So, like, obviously none of this shit is real. But I do appreciate the fact that the fights and the way that they're, like, choreographed feels more real where they're like bumping into each other and like having to switch targets and stuff like that and the damage and everything that they take <laughs> is yeah it, like when he like when invincible knocked that villain through the house or the apartment complex and the apartment complex started coming down he had to remember like go save the people who are inside it was yeah. like if stuff happens to this stuff like that means something <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that where it just feels more like authentic to the situation um because you know i know that i love the super powered characters and i know that you like the street level characters but like the one guy who got his arm broke mm-hmm. let's be honest when characters like that are fighting like <laughs> battle so, beast, but that's, 
So my thing like that was that like baby first I don't even know why he took off his gear. Like was that supposed to do something? I I thought the gear was like his power and like saving giving him strength and stuff. So like when he took that off to go like fight head on, I was like, that doesn't seem smart. But it's like when you think about street level heroes because it like was broken and like I mean even so (laughs) it's just like (laughs) why are you right? Like clearly this man is like out of your weight class and it's like you would never see like Batman wouldn't do something like that. He's not that stupid. He's going he to stay back. He's going to let Superman do what he needs to do, and he's going to like try and outthink the situation or something like that. But then I also think you have certain street heroes who do have like very strong amounts of power, like a She-Hulk or a Luke Cage. Um, yeah. So it's like that is typically, that's your street hero who you send after battle beats. <laughs> not, not, uh, not Billy Blanks. <laughs> right, like, really flexed. <laughs> like he over here doing his table. Oh, that's not gonna work. <laughs> like I need you to stop. Like I was like, as soon as he did it, I was like, this man is about to die. Yeah, I was exactly. like, why would he do that? <laughs> it's up. It's lights out. And uh, but you know, that's just that hero mentality. You gotta you gotta keep fighting to the end, and <laughs> that's what he did. Let me tell. Let me tell you guys right now. Know how to retreat. Okay. Listen, when, sometimes when it's okay to bounce. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you got to live to fight another day, and that is all right. I rewatched that first episode, and when Omni Man came through, that would have been my time to bounce. <laughs> like, get yourself the, around some people. The, okay. Bye. <laughs> I was walking home from the gym the other day. So I was walking home from the gym the other day, and there was like this homeless man like coming across the street on the other side of me and you could tell he was like dealing with some issues mentally and so he just starts yelling at me and he's like screaming he's like ah and so at first i'm like let me just walk past this man but you know you kind of think you're like you'll never know what could happen because i was like so i like ran across this little bush <laughs> and ran up the street a little bit and then i turned back around and i'm just like why are you yelling, when he's still just yelling. And i was like let me go home but yeah you just gotta know you gotta know when to run <laughs> when to go and when to fight um, and I thought it was interesting though, because we saw that little glimpse of Omni Man was watching the whole fight. Oh yeah, and how he didn't save Invincible. No, he didn't like save. He didn't step in at all. And then Cause he, cause he's, I, I do it. think that Invincible saw him, like when when he was like starting to come to after the end of the battle, and he saw his dad there. I do think that that he was there, and that wasn't like a hallucination. Oh yeah, no, or no, no, no. I I fully agree that he was there, and I feel like he is. He didn't help on purpose. It's a lesson. He's not a, he's not, I get it. He's not a good guy, but it's a lesson for Invincible to basically be like, you need to listen to me <laughs> when I tell you <laughs> not to do something or when I tell you something's out of your league, like stay, you're not ready for certain things, stay on my side. It's manipulation. He's a bad guy. Everyone's kind of unlikable. Well, I mean, you gotta like everybody for it to be good. I would like I to don't... like someone. Actually, oh. no, that's not true. I like Alan the alien. <laughs> <laughs> I like Alan the Alien a lot. I think He's that's my... I think that's voiced by Seth Rogen. Yeah, that might be why. Um, <laughs> I oh no no I also like um what is the um the the old guy who like sends the heroes out to places? Cecil. Cecil, I like Cecil. Cecil's my kind of guy. Cecil gets the job done. Cecil's um, my kind of guy. You know, we did see in episode four, uh, just to bring that back up, that Cecil. He's also online. But he know he knows that I'm sorry news. He knows that um Oh Omni Man killed the Omni Man killed him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 And I oh and so I love how he got got the sample of Mark's blood. 
so they could yeah. test on it to try and see how to defeat Omni-Man. That was, like, a really nice touch. Again, showing you that these people are, like, not really, like, good people, but, like, sometimes the hero job is not as black and white as everybody likes to make it. Yeah. Which is a conversation to have. I I love those kind of conversations because you know me I like I love the characters that's somewhere in the middle like mm-hmm. <laughs> love a gray area I love, love a gray it. area um and and they can lean towards either way so um I, I I like when they at least kind of touch on that gray area with stuff where it's like it's not always so clear cut and black and white yeah. um so yeah I'm I've been loving this show I'm super excited for what they do like I said I've read the comics in the beginning so if if i hope they get a season two um i think that's probably where i will not know so much because of uh the comics or whatever but if this is following the books the finale is going to be insane <laughs> so the anime, like i said the animation has been giving mm-hmm. i can only imagine what the finale is going to be like yeah i think that the I would, I do wish that the backgrounds in the show were animated a little bit more. Um, they're a little static in some places. They also mix a lot of um, 2D and 3D stuff. Mm. I don't know if you noticed that a lot of the a lot of the stuff in the backgrounds are all 3D. So they're just like placing these 2D images over the 3D. Mm. A lot of a lot of the like students in the school and all that kind of stuff is like 3D. Um, And sometimes it doesn't really mix that well, but I would like to, I would hope that like maybe in season two or whatever, you know, they get a more budget. (laughs) So, because, you know, money talks. So an increased budget would, would make it all even better. All the time. All right. So let's take a break. Um, I'm done with the Invincible talk. That was a really great show. I can't wait for Invincible (laughs) Friday next week. Let's take a break and then we'll come back for another rewatch. All right. All right, we're back for the second another rewatch, and this time we've got episodes three and four. This was three and four, right? Of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yes, it was three and four. We did one and two. So again, just a big roundtable discussion about the episode as a whole. I really like the show. I think episode four was the strongest um, that it's been so far, just like as a whole. Not even necessarily stronger than three. I have a problem with the show that I kind of want to get out of the way is that I feel that the humor is injected in very awkward places and it like takes me out um and this is specific it it, like really called to me on episode three when they were having the shootout when they were trying to escape from the bar in madripoor with sharon and um sam and bucky start arguing and he's like oh why'd you go left like you should have followed me this way like i was leading the mission And and sharon's like guys this isn't the time to be arguing about it and i get it it was supposed to be like kind of like a funny bickering moment like brotherly but it's just like, no, this is genuinely not the time to be doing this right now. <laughs> um, and it makes their relationship very odd because one minute, I guess maybe that's supposed to be, again, that brotherly feel that they like hate each other and are really only doing this because they both knew Sam and they're like kind of sad about it. So like, they care about each other so much and they're like, joke around yeah yeah it's just a very jarring shift and i keep telling myself i keep asking the question is it the delivery of the lines or is it just the dialogue itself um 
and I will say that in the beginning, I would have said that it was the delivery of the lines because I've always said me, me and Mackie have kind of like a up and down relationship <laughs> with his acting skills anyway. But <laughs> between issues three and four, he's doing a really good job the same. Like issue four specifically when he has the conversation with Carly and yeah. he's kind of like, I'm um, just like talking about the past and, you know, how he connects with her. That was the most Sam like that I have ever felt Anthony Mackie has been his entire time in the MCU. Like, That's dope. I felt like I was actually reading the same from the comic books with that issue. So I was like really pleased with that. So I think he's come a really long way and he's really getting to his group with the character. So that's what makes me kind of feel like maybe it's just the actual dialogue itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it could just be the awkward placement. I was having a conversation about this on Twitter, again with uh, Twitter user Omni Shambles Craig, great guy. You should all follow him. Oh, yeah. And he made the he made the comment to me. He said he felt a little similar. He said it felt like someone was trying to write for an MCU show rather than it actually being one, or like a good mm-hmm. cover band doing a bad cover of another band song. <laughs> <laughs> Which both felt <of> very apt. <laughs> and I was like, once he said that, I was just like, oh yeah, like that makes sense, and that's where like some of the humor falls from me. So that's like my biggest issue with the show. But other than that... Is it, does it feel like sometimes the humor comes in where it reminds itself that it's an MCU thing and it's like, yeah. okay, that jokey moments between Sam and Bucky where they're like... Exactly. Has. And, it's, and it's like every moment doesn't have to be lightened up. Like, yeah. if this is a serious situation, just let it be a serious situation. You guys are... Yeah, but each other. I was going to say y'all are killing people right in front of my face and like breaking their fingers and stuff. I don't need you to remind me that you're owned by Disney. <laughs> <laughs> we try to forget that part. You know, it's like, it's cool. I got it. It's fine. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's like my biggest issue with the show. However, again, I feel like it's progressing very nicely. This was the strongest issue. I think issue. the strongest episode was four. But I love the inclusion of Zemo in the group. Oh, yes, absolutely. We love he Zemo. Does it. He yeah. does it. And I also love that whenever something happens, he kind of just like sulks to the side. He's like, I'm not getting involved. <laughs> it's okay. Nothing to do with me. <laughs> he just disappears and like does his own thing, but he's still like very subtly manipulating the group to do whatever he wants. Um, also, the scene where he like grabbed his purple mask and put it on for the fight, I didn't really get what he had to do that for. I mean, I loved it just because of like. Yes, yes, you know, yes, you know, it's, it's in the comic. Um, they wanted to do it, so we let them do it. <laughs> all right, that's fine. I'll give them that one. I'll allow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, the mask don't even make no damn sense, but just let them no. do it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, in this issue, oh, so in episode three, we kind of like uh, we've got Zemo. We go see him. Bucky has pretty much worked it out so Zemo can break himself out of prison and they don't have to do it and actually be held responsible for it and get in any trouble. And they get him so they're going to go to Madripoor. They're tra- on track of the Flag Smashers and who have stolen the Super Soldier Serum. Mm, that's another one. They're about. nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, you get it. And so I thought that them going to Madripoor was actually really interesting. They played on the Sam was a pimp retcon. It was a little joke in there when they were like walking up. Oh, oh I didn't know <laughs> that. I thought I thought that, that was just a very interesting. 
an honest so, yeah. take on the fact that like <laughs> yeah so no like as he's walking in american be like dressed up <laughs> yeah and so like as they're walking into this bar he has um he's wearing his little flashy outfit he's all dressed up and he says oh i look like a pimp so in the 80s steve Englehart, when he was writing captain america he wrote a retcon for sam he took away the fact that he was like this social worker who helped people and he crashed his plane and like met red wing and got the cosmic cube and all this stuff like that he did same was a pimp who used to like run the street sell drugs beat women it was like (laughs) (laughs) and 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 like that's how he came into contact with captain america because he was like in some criminal activity and so like sam fans had hated it saved off the streets (laughs) what the fuck (laughs) exactly so like hated it It was like horrible um so that lasts for a lot a long time until um rick reminder when he did his all new captain america run they basically retconned that away to say that that was Red School, Red Skull manipulating like the Cosmic Cube to make them think that that was real. But it was like that was never the true story. He was never a pimp. He wasn't out here smacking holes. <laughs> 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 like, <what the> hell? <laughs> he wasn't doing any of that stuff. Like he was helping the kids. Like oh, he always was. Um, so I thought that was actually like really funny when he said that. Uh, we also get Sharon making her grand appearance in a moment. She came in and she was doing it. (laughs) Like, she did that. Yeah. I will say that I did wish that she was Mockingbird in this series. I felt like it would have... Adrian Pilecki from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mockingbird? I mean, not necessarily. I personally would have been fine with any actress that was Mockingbird. Mockingbird. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Only because I felt like that would have been just a really cool reveal for it and... uh, making her a part of the show. I agree. I do love me some Mockingbird. I, I, I enjoy it. Obviously, I enjoy it. I'm, I'm a fan of Shannon. I'm a like, fan of the Captain America. They like teammates or something. But, yeah, that um, would... yeah, that would have been nice. But I like that it is Sharon, and I like how they're kind of building her relationship with Sam, because Sharon and Sam are actually, like, really close in the comic books. Um, I also didn't and... know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They have a really good working relationship, a friendship even, especially after Steve died the first time. He was, right. Sam was right there for her, and yes, but the comic, I did read that. Like I mean, she was the one. There was, there was some brainwashing going on. Some other stuff. We'll hold it against her. It's fine. Like it's fine. He got over it. We all got over it. <laughs> um, and so I I appreciate that, and I appreciate the talk that they had too when she was kind of saying, "I stole the shield. I stole like the jetpack for you guys. I didn't have ties to the Avengers." to keep me safe and get me out of prison. Now here I am on the run and you're going to be your empty promises. that I don't need that. And like, it's interesting because you are getting Sam being made into Captain America or his version of Captain America. You know what I'm saying? And it's different from Steve. And there's actually like a comic book that says it in uh, Ed Brubaker's run of Captain America issue 38. Bucky is like monologuing. He's going into a fight with Sam and he talks about how he gets a similar feeling with Steve. He's like, not because Sam reminds him of Steve, he's obviously his own man, but he's like, there's this influence that he has. There's something that kind of makes you want him to like, believe that the faith he puts in you is like good because like he truly believes that what he's gonna do is gonna help. And so you kind of have him here with Sharon and he's, I guess, starting to realize once again that 
everybody doesn't have the perks like yes i may have i may be a black man who's been doing all these things but i also have my own privileges you know i was like an avenger so i didn't have to deal with these kind of things so it's like there's still other people that i have to help in other ways and you get him working with that so i really enjoyed that um there was someone else oh how could i forget actually we'll wait for that one but (laughs) (laughs) um so we go through that Things go wrong at the bar. There's great action scenes. I also love how they kind of broke the action scenes up for these episodes. It wasn't as long as the first two, which I feel like might have drained some of the story. Um, and here we get smaller shots, but they're more intense. Bucky and the princess bar beating those guys up for Zemo. Yeah. Everything. I also loved Madripoor. I love the way that it was like the lighting in it, the design, like the set design and all that stuff for Madripoor was fantastic. There were no Asian people. For it to be, <laughs> for it to be <laughs> like off the coast, yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of like we didn't see a single one, so that was strange. Did you know the princess bar actually first appeared in Wolverine? That is where he goes as Patch. As Patch, yeah. Yeah, that's, when, that's he what I thought, yeah. His, when he wears his little white tuxedo and his little eye yeah. patch. So like, as soon as I think I, they're coming back here. <laughs> I love Madripoor. And so I was honestly looking like throughout the crowd. I was like, maybe they're going to give us like a little Easter egg and show some short man in like a white dinner jacket or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, just wear his That patch. would have been funny if it would have been an Easter egg. I was like, but that wasn't there. So that was that. But yeah, Madripoor looked great. The Princess Bar looked great. Um, So we get them out. We also meet up with the guy who's like recreated the Super, super Soldier Serum. Didn't get it that time. And you know, he talks about how he was like very close to recreating it, but then the blip happened. And so then he came back and then the power brokers have funded him to do it. That's why the Black Smashers have it. They're trying to do this thing. So the, which do you feel do you feel the Flag Smashers are wrong? Are you on their side? Or are you Absolutely. I'm signing up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm signing up. Pass me the form. <laughs> oh my gosh, you know, um Yeah. They haven't done anything. They haven't said anything wrong to me. It sounds like I need to go help out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, anyway. Um, But then episode three ends with Bucky walking out and who we see, Miss Dora Malaje herself. Yes, yes. Standing there. And so then we go into episode episode four. You know, we've got A.O. and Bucky talking about how he broke Zemo out and how, like, no, that's not going to work. He killed our king. (laughs) <laughs> he's got a ride. And so Bucky's trying to convince her that we need him. She gives him eight hours and says we're coming for him. And I just like, if there's one thing the MCU has done right, it's the door. Oh, for sure. Yeah. The the Dora dolls. The Dora dolls. <laughs> yes, the okay? Dora dolls. The Dora dolls. They are, <laughs> they are everything. Mm-hmm. And every single woman, like no matter who she is. Like, she has that same intensity, that same ferocity. Like, they all feel like warriors, and I think that is amazing about them. Beautiful. Beautiful women. Yes. Um, so we continue on with that. We go in. I don't, you know, I also really enjoyed their fight with John Walker. Oh, they was beating his ass. I was living for um, Winter Soldier. <laughs> Watching it. <laughs> <laughs> Just, like, loving it. <laughs> loving it. He was like, Love hey. It. He was just like, it is what it is. I don't know what you want me to do. Um, 
Those okay. girls can bat. That okay. was a really great. <laughs> that, that was a really nice little moment. How did you feel about like Bucky speaking Wakanda and all that stuff, and that like whole scene with him and Ao, and like her helping him break through his uh, program? I thought that that was a really like heart like felt scene, um, and because the acting that Sebastian Stan was giving there, you really felt like he was like, this isn't gonna work. Like, yeah, I've like, like he really felt like he was just at the end of his ropes and he's tried everything to have, you know, the the brainwashing removed or whatever. And when, when Ao was reciting his trigger words or whatever, and in, in Russian, which I think is really cool that, um, all the spies like know all these different languages and stuff. I think that's cool. <laughs> the spies be kind of giving. I see what you mean with the street level. They be they give. Oh come on down. Uh, down. <laughs> but I did like that he when they finally like said all of his trigger words and it didn't happen for him. Like he wasn't yeah. under control. Like like crying or whatever. I thought that that was really yeah. really dope. And I think good. Sebastian Sebastian looked a little cuter to me with longer hair. Oh <laughs> uh, no, I prefer the short. Oh, I'm not sure. But no, but but again, that's what I was saying. Like, I feel like episode four, it's like when those moments of like the awkward humor isn't placed in there, it is mm-hmm. so good. And like the people are really feeling comfortable in these roles, and like they're acting a little bit now. So it's kind of like, <laughs> okay, it's like I see what y'all are trying to give. So again, I appreciate these Disney Plus shows really giving these characters the space to breathe and mm-hmm. become bigger. Um, as far as their personalities and letting those let that shine for them, because we all know certain characters are always going to be for in the forefront as far as the movies go. You know, yeah. DC's got the Trinity, and you know, at this point, Marvel's kind of got their own like Trinity kind of growing as far as with Cap, Iron Man, and Thor. Like you know mm-hmm. that they're going to get some stuff. So it's nice to see that with such an expanded roster of characters that other characters can get some more some yeah. more shine. Yeah. Absolutely for sure. And I can hope that trend continue. You know we getting Yelena and all of them as well. So that's like Oh yeah, yeah. And I think they've said that she's gonna be in that Hawkeye uh Disney yes. Plus show. She is. She is. Yeah. So you know hopefully when Black Widow actually comes out ever, we can <laughs> see that and then we'll get Hawkeye and we'll be good to go. Uh one of the other I things see. Uh, set photos of your girl Echo. You saw set photos? You have to send me those. <laughs> she's she's giving. I was like, oh you wow. Gotta, you, gotta, you gotta send me those. Like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, wow. You just keep winning. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. I'm really excited for that. Okay, yes. Wow. What were we talking about? Father Nerd Soldier. Um, no. Um, so eventually, um. We catch up with Carly and the flag. Carly is basically like the leader of the flag smashes. Oh, I also really love the scene where they go to the place where the woman who kind of was taking care of all the refugees mm-hmm. and like nobody would talk to Sam or Bucky. And they were like asking about, and the guy was telling them, he was like, you know, I can't trust you. Like, I know who you are. I know what you might have been through. He's like, but you're still like this American guy. And again, I love how this show kind of calls back or not calls back, but gives calls to like America and its problems with systemic racism and like its own dictatorships of some tyranny sometimes um i do (laughs) i do feel like they kind of dance around the topic especially with sam and like once john walker pops back up on the scene when he catches up with bucky and all them he's trying to like assert his authority and even when people talk to him about like why did he give up the shield and how he shouldn't have done it i feel like we kind of tiptoe around calling it what it is 
like racism. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, and there's just like this underlying thing. And I, it kind of, I feel like it kind of undercuts the theme a little bit. Like, like say it, like we already know what it is. Like, it's very obvious. Like we get it. We know like it's okay to say it. And like, so we can find a way to, and it's like, I don't know if we're purposely not saying it or if they're trying to wait to use it as like the big bad reveal. It's going to be like, <laughs> During his big speech. <laughs> yeah, it's like, this is who our evil person is. It's racism. Um, But it's like, no, it's like, just say it. Um, And I, I kind of feel like if they don't say it, it'll be a cop out. A little bit. Yeah, for sure. Like, definitely. Um, But I will say I continue to love hating John Walker. And I love watching him get humiliated, whether it be from the Dora, whether it be from Zemo outsmarting him, whether it be from Carly knocking him out because he does whatever um he does take the leftover serum mm, you know yeah we see that uh once zemo kind of catches carly he crushes all the super soldier serums that she took but misses one john walker grabs that when he obviously takes it and we see <laughs> him like kind of jumped up but he's going crazy now like his mental is messed up um and then we get Battlestar. now <laughs> i'm sorry Lamar Hoskins. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Agent Hoskins. Because when we even first get there, like you can tell that John is like going crazy. And even Lamar is kind of like, you need to calm down. Like, let Sam go talk to the girl. Let's do this. Let's do that. And you can just tell he's in such an awkward, like, middle position. I thought it was really interesting hearing the two conversations about when Zemo asked Sam if he would take the serum. And Sam mm-hmm. was like, no, with no hesitation. But when Walker asked Hoskins, he was like, hell yeah. <laughs> 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 and kind of like the different reasonings of that. I thought that the, it's just, it shows like, even when they're the same, they're still so very different. Yes. yes. And it's kind of, it's like watching that play out has been super great, even though it doesn't turn out that good for Hoskins. Here's a spoiler for anyone who has not seen it yet. Hopefully you have. Mr. Hoskins dies. <laughs> Carly punched his ass in the chest. <laughs> now, did you hear the ribs crack when she punched uh-huh. him? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Hit the back of that. And then killer. he hit the thing and then the neck. I was like, okay, so yeah, so um when they finally catch up with the flag smashers, they catch Hoskins because he like cannot fight. Everybody was beating him up. <laughs> like he like never got a moment to shine. Like he just was since day one has been kind of bad. Um, which is kind of Battlestar in the comics sometimes, so I guess that's accurate. And um, they kidnap him when they're all confronting each other. He, like, tries to, uh, Carly's about to, like, kill John Walker, and Lamar jumps in to try and protect him. She punches him in his chest. He, like, goes flying, breaks his neck, his back, everything's done. Um, and then we see John Walker kind of go crazy, but everybody's, like, getting out of there, and he starts chasing one of the guys who was on the team of the Flag Smashers, catches him, takes him outside, like, gets him outside in front of everybody. Like, there's a big crowd. They're starting to come around. The guy's like, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. I don't know where he is. And John Walker, again, spoiler alert, kills him with the shield. (laughs) With the shield. Like, starts banging it down on him. And then, you know, you see him just holding the shield with, like, blood on it. And you have all the crowd, like, watching and recording on their phones and things like that and Sam and Bucky come in and the episode ends and it was just like again this is America <laughs> <laughs> that was that was something I wasn't expecting him to damn near like 
decapitate the man. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like my neck was hurting. You know, like, from Battlestar like to that, I feel like people used to always give the, or still do anyway, give the MCU flack for being Disney and it's always, you know, a joke with stuff and it's never that serious. But like, <laughs> that was dark. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, very dark. <laughs> like, that was very dark. We just watched this cop, like, kill this man in broad daylight, and everyone got it on their cameras. Cameras. And, like, and it's like, again, it's like, now we're going to look at it. I'm very excited to get to the next episode now because, like, we're going to have the fallout from that. All the people who, like, did this thing um, to make this man Captain America, and, like, we see him doing this, are they going to try and just say, Okay, yeah, the man was a terrorist, so it was okay. Um, are they gonna like try and do something to get him out of the spotlight? Then you're gonna have Sam, of course, still kind of grappling with it all and having to process that. Then you also got Carly, who's like kind of calling his sister, and she's trying to. Sleep. Carly's clicking down. I'm, I appreciate what the Flag Smashers stand for, but Carly herself, <laughs> Carly herself, she's clicking down. Mm. She's losing control a little bit of the of the situation. You know? Very much so. Very much so. Over her head, where it is, you are very passionate about your cause, but you don't think you really thought all this all the way through. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I do think that, I don't think that she is going to make it out of this show. I think she's probably going to die at the end. I also have a guess that the power broker is uh, Thunderbolt Ross. Oh, okay. What I gives do. you that? Um, because I feel like the the government or whatever I feel like is the one who has been trying to get the recreation of the the super soldier serum. <laughs> and I, I couldn't even think of that. <laughs> uh, I think he's the one that's trying to get the super soldier serum, and I think that he also, you know, is Red Hulk in the comics, right? he's probably going to want to try to get something where he ends up taking it himself. So I feel like he is the power broker currently. Ooh, okay. That's just so my you, guess. So, so you think we're going to a Red Hulk world? Yes. I do. Okay. I, I mean, I'm into that. Or, or at the very least, he is going to be trying to get the serum or whatever to make like the Thunderbolts or something. But I do mm-hmm. think that he is trying to get to a Red Hulk. Okay, I can see either one of them. I, I, I would appreciate some Thunderbolts, and I could definitely see Thunderbolts spinning out of this. I mean, we got Zemo. Um, <laughs> I also... I don't know what's going on with Zemo. They obviously, like... I don't know if he's done. I think that the Dora are probably also still chasing after him. So I don't know if they're going to, like, what they're going to do with him, because if you don't oh, watch... Yeah, he gets away. Or... <laughs> <laughs> he gets away. He got away again. Just, which I love, which is, like, very... Zemo and comic books because it's why did y'all trust him? It's Zemo. <laughs> like we knew we knew exactly what was going on. And it was always great to just kind of watch him slinking around and like just doing stuff, meeting with the kids, giving them candy. Poor kids love candy. We gotta teach our kids to stop loving candy. Cause they would do anything. <laughs> well, I can't I can't tell them that because I love it my day. I like that scene with the kids and the candy because that to me showed how how Zemo thinks versus how the others think because they just went around just kind of like looking for him because you know uh, Sam, Sam is the superhero and uh, you know uh, Bucky's a spy 
He's yeah. like, you know, asking people or whatever. But Zemo is like, no, the kids are got, they're the ones who got the answers. You gotta look at the ones who see <laughs> <We're> everything. <laughs> that's um, that's why I, I kind of want Sam to talk to birds again. It I want sense. that. I want that ability in the MCU. I was like reading some Captain America comics earlier today, and like he was doing some recon with like Tony Stark and stuff like that. He was like, oh, my sources saw whoever, whoever, and he was like, who were they? And he was like, it was some pigeon. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, I was like, I kind of want that again. I want that type of aerial view ability. Um, but yeah, love the single Zemo and the kids. That was great. I'm, I just love Zemo in general. He's actually probably like top three of my MCU villains. Yeah, that could be fair. Yeah, he's fantastic. You already know why I want Zemo to continue. <laughs> I mean, listeners uh, and everybody, y'all already know what I'm waiting for him to get to. So, you know, I did think I had I, I had a, I thought last night and I was I might just be reaching here, but I was like, I wonder if they'll find a way to tie Sam and Moon Knight together because, you know, Sam's role in the MCU, he's like you said, he's been a counselor for uh vets with like wow. suffering from ptsd and trauma and stuff like that and that is very much moon Knight. and so maybe he's doing it again or something and like that's cro- oh i was crossing my fingers for the people who can't <laughs> <laughs> for the people who are listening and not watching i was crossing my fingers um so yeah i would i would, I would like that connection to be made some type of way mm, that'd be really cool yeah you know what? That to me sounds like you probably already know that's in the works. And <laughs> <laughs> because I swear, if you if you say it, it ends up happening. <laughs> it's yeah, it's like... just like I just put really positive energy out into the universe. Sometimes it's just like ah. Uh, um, yeah, so that was that. Really excited for the next episode. Loving the show so far. We only got two more. So um, be ready for another little double feature. Yeah. All right, y'all. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Another Relaunch. You can find us on YouTube also at Another Relaunch a TV. Going to be looking out for that. And you can find us, if you have any questions, comments, or whatever, any of your own relaunches, suggestions you want us to read out loud, um, send us an email at anotherrelaunch at gmail.com. Uh, you can find me on social media, wherever I'm at. At on Kenny LZ, I'm trying to like change all of my social media stuff into the same I thing. I thought we had this discussion and we agreed that we, you weren't going to do that. Oh, well, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> so if it's on Kenny LZ on something, that's probably me. So, <laughs> uh, Keenan, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter and IG and most other social media content or at Keenan Lance. You know, there's an underscore at the end. And so I actually want to announce to everyone that I'm very upset right now. (laughs) (laughs) We were going to do another reread. Okay. And we were going to announce it today. So for next week, everybody could kind of read along with us and talk about it and hear the thoughts. We put a nice little poll out. I looked at the results. It's a tie. So okay. we tied, so the choices were JLA, JLA Titans, Technus Imperative, Avengers No Surrender, Batman Under the Red Hood, Dark Avengers X-Men versus, no, Dark Avengers versus the X-Men. Mm. There has been a tie for JLA Titans and Avengers No Surrender. Ooh. So I'll let you break the tie. Me? What? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know. Damn, put me on the spot. 
That's us. How long is JLA and Titan versus Titans? Three issues. Oh, I don't know. Was that? Yeah, they're like three long issues. Okay, like extended issues. Okay, I've never read that. JLA Titans, it is. Yeah. JLA Titans Imperative. All right, that's the reread for next week. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Let's get up out of here. Don't forget to read to read uh, JLA versus Titans, and uh, we'll see you guys next week.